Welcome to this week's Energy Show. Now, over 1 million people have lost power over the last few days in California from rolling blackouts. And even more people have blackouts for other reasons. More about that later. Now, these blackouts aren't just inconvenient. But with this heat and many people working and schooling from home, they're creating a major impact on our lives, worse than any blackouts that I ever remember. And anyone who thinks this is just a temporary situation is fooling themselves. PG&E and many other utilities are not telling customers the real reasons for these blackouts. Now, there's two reasons now why the power has just gone out over the last week or so, and it's going to be going out all week, and one that hasn't even hit us yet. So the rolling blackouts that you hear in the press are due to insufficient power supplies. The second reason, which they don't talk about, are equipment failing in many neighborhoods because of inadequate maintenance. More about that later. Now, the utilities don't mention this second reason. This is something they should keep control, but it's happening a lot. And the third reason, here it is, August, and it hasn't even hit us yet, are the public safety power shutoffs that typically happen in the fall. Maybe they're going to happen earlier, but those happen when there's high winds and there's fire danger and the utilities turn the power off, even when they have plenty of power. That's also going to happen, but that's not what's happening now. Now, it's been 20 years since the last rolling blackouts in California. And these blackouts, going back to 2000, 2001, they were also partially caused by hot weather. That was a different time and a different age when we had a lot of businesses busy and peak power demand was in the middle of the day. And what happened was that power supplies and power costs were being manipulated by companies like Enron. Now, what Enron did, they got busted for it, they withheld the supplies of power to California and other states to increase the price of power. They were charging a ton of money to the utilities for power that was coming in from out of state and other sources. The California utilities didn't purchase enough power because those power costs were extraordinarily high, but they still got forced into buying all this power at manipulated prices. So what happened is PG&E and other utilities shut the power off to various locations to ration the power that they had. They just created deliberate one to two hour blackouts. So kind of everyone took turns with no power, right? but you know, your hospitals didn't take turns with that critical facilities didn't, but you know, businesses and, and homeowners did. Now, after these rolling blackouts, PG&E had tremendously expensive energy bills because they had to pay these bills to their power suppliers, including Enron. And PG&E, because they had all these debts and they didn't, weren't able to pay it, they were forced into bankruptcy because they couldn't pay these power bills. <laughs> California bailed out PG&E in 2001 with these things called energy bonds. Then these bonds had to be repaid over 20 years. Now, who repaid them? The, the consumers, the ratepayers. You look at your utility bill, you're going to see these things called DWR bonds. Those are the bonds that were taken out by PG&E. And they were repaying that to the state. And the money coming for that repayment came from you and me, every business in California buying utility power. All right. So we're going to finish repaying those Enron bonds in 2021. So like next year. Meanwhile, PG&E bankrupt again. That's another story. But it's going to be another set of bonds because consumers are going to have to pay that. Oh, and, oh yeah. Enron, which created, manipulated these power prices, their executives went to jail. All right. So... The current situation, who's to blame for this? Well, the utilities are to blame for it, and they planned for it. They should have been prepared. They were partially prepared. We have a broad mix of power here in California. We have solar and wind. We have natural gas. We have hydroelectric power, a lot of hydropower. Plus, 
we always get extra power imported from out of state. A lot of power plants in the Pacific Northwest. Maybe there's some coal generation in Arizona or Nevada. We don't like it, but we use it. So there's supplies. And the utilities make detailed plans to make sure we're okay with power supplies. But this week, last week, next week, these plans are turning out to be inadequate. We have very hot weather. Yeah, we can kind of expect that. But the weather's also a little bit cloudy. I'm looking outside right now, and it's a little overcast. It's humid. There's not any wind. And so because it's partially cloudy, the solar output is down. Now, I know here in Silicon Valley, it's cloudy. The output's down. Maybe in the desert, in the Mojave Desert, where they've got some utility-scale power plants, maybe it's sunny there. But right here, it's not that sunny. So we've got solar output down, and the utilities depend on the output. The wind output is down because there's almost no wind. To make matters worse, a 500-megawatt gas generator went offline recently, and a 750-megawatt gas generator was being serviced. So there's other equipment that we have that can kind of power us through this, literally, but it conked out. So in this record-high heat, Buildings get heated up. You need even more air conditioning. You wake up in the morning. Your house is still warm from the night before. kind of reminds me of the East Coast. It takes even more energy to keep that house cool. So bingo, time for rolling blackouts. And those rolling blackouts happen this weekend and very likely happening this week and in the future. The power comes back on at night when the generators and the hydro power and maybe the wind kind of kick in. So they've got power then, imported power. But in the late afternoon and early evening... They just shut the power off. Now, you know, this is kind of puzzling to me because these rolling blackouts should be for one or two hours, right? But I'm hearing many of my friends and neighbors are also experiencing blackouts. But these blackouts weren't lasting for like one or two hours. They're like 12 hours, 24 hours. I'm like, hey, what's going on? I looked into it. And the reason is what's happened, I mean, heck, for as long as I remember, PG&E equipment failures. Usually... They're the transformers, those distribution transformers, those round cylinders that are on top of utility poles, and often ground-mounted transformers. A lot of neighborhoods don't have underground power, so these transformers are mounted on the ground or sometimes underground. So those things fail. And why are they failing? Well, the reason is, when these transformers were installed... They were sized to provide the power that the neighborhood needs. I mean, maybe these transformers would serve five or ten houses or something. And they were installed ten years ago, twenty years ago, my neighborhood, fifty years ago. (laughs) Obviously, before EVs were popular, before many appliances were electrified, before the impact of global warming... And which is really tangible. I mean, you can just see the weather, the weather's hotter. There's more air conditioning need. People are putting in more air conditioning. Houses that didn't need it originally, they're like, gee, it's kind of hot. Let's put in air conditioning. So a lot of homes have air conditioning now. And many people have electric vehicles. So here's what happened. That original transformer that's powering a neighborhood, maybe it has a capacity of 50 kilowatts. They measure it in volt amps, but we're just going to say kilowatts for simplicity. Maybe that 50 kilowatt transformer fed 10 houses in a small neighborhood. 10 years ago, only a few houses had air conditioning and, you know, probably none had electric vehicles that were plugging in. But now, let's say half of the houses in that neighborhood have an EV or an air conditioner and some both. Now, keep in mind, when you plug your EV in, That charger draws 7,200 watts. These are the level 2 chargers. The regular charges draw only about 1,200 watts, but the level 2 charges 7,200 watts. A typical central air conditioner, when it's running, draws about 4,000 watts. Maybe it draws about 5,000 or 6,000 once it starts up. 
So you can see on very hot days with just a few more air conditioners cranking just constantly. Maybe there's pool pumps here going and other appliances. It should be okay. But now when people start plugging in their EVs when the AC is running, boom, you can easily see how that transformer, which was properly designed for 50 kilowatts 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 50 years ago, gets overloaded. The fuse trips or the transformer overheats and it turns off or it just blows up. I mean, sometimes you see these things just explode. The situation's not a rolling blackout. The problem is with equipment failures due to inadequate preventive maintenance. And the utilities already have their hands completely full with maintenance issues. They can't even keep up with the tree trimming. So these other maintenance issues, it's extra. They know that these transformers are getting over capacity. They know they're going to blow up. But what they do is instead of proactively fixing them, they wait for the failures. Like, all right, let's see if we can get through another season. Oh, a bunch of them went out. We'll get it fixed now. They're not dealing with it on a proactive basis. So to repair these transformers, the utility, first they have to send a crew out to see, you know, exactly what went wrong. Then they have to locate a replacement transformer. It's always going to be a bigger one that's properly sized. It's got the right voltages. Then they have to install it 12 to 24 hours at best to get that replaced. So we really have three reasons for these blackouts. We have rolling blackouts due to insufficient power reserves. That's because, you know, we talked about the temperature going up. There's not enough wind. There's not enough solar. There's not enough natural gas generation isn't enough. Our neighboring states also have power shortages. So that's one, rolling blackouts. Two, we have local equipment failures. And three, what everybody's been worried about for the last year or two, and the utilities are talking about trying to deal with it, but we're worried too, are the public safety power shutoffs. These are the things that were so devastating last year. When the utility would say, gee, there's going to be a fire or there's high winds, we don't want to cause any fire. So we're turning off the power in a whole neighborhood or on a whole distribution line. So we really have three reasons for these blackouts. First, rolling blackouts due to insufficient power reserve. That's what you read about in the news. Second, local equipment failures, which are going to constantly happen, and they've always happened, but it's going to get worse when more people get air conditioning, more people get EVs, and the temperature goes up. And the third which, you know, here this season, August, hasn't even hit us yet, but it will because it was huge last year, are public safety power shutoffs. So it doesn't really matter whose fault it is. The customers suffer. The homeowners suffer. The businesses suffer. I mean, we're not even dealing with complaints about retailers who don't have power for their cash registers. This is what happened last fall. I mean, we're talking about people who are at home. Many of the companies have their employees working at home. Their productivity is going to suffer. Not so much of a big deal that the big office towers don't have a lot of power, but you know people are trying to work at home because of COVID-19, they suffer. And it's worse than ever before because we're so dependent on electricity. We need that electricity to keep our food cold. And gee, we all have a lot more food in the fridge and the freezer because we, you know, we can't go to restaurants anymore. We have to keep the family connected, both the kids for schooling and for people who are working at home and then, you know, for everybody else because, you know, we're streaming movies on Netflix. And even our transportation is dependent on electricity because so many people have electric vehicles. So complaining to our utilities, complaining to our government, our public utilities commission, it's not going to solve this problem for years. They know about it. They're getting the complaints. This is a five-year thing to solve. And I'll tell you, as fast as the government operates, the PUC, it's at least three years before they decide to do something and it starts happening. Now, looking forward... The world is getting warmer. Last month, last July, was tied for the world's second hottest July on record. 
and the hottest ever in the Northern Hemisphere. And that's according to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. Now, just kind of looking back about 15 years ago, during a 10-day heat wave in 2006, just in terms of these maintenance issues, California utilities lost more than 1,500 transformers. I don't have any more up-to-date data. But every time these transformers went out, they knocked out a neighborhood in the process. And I can tell you, based on the scope of the blackouts that we're seeing in Silicon Valley, these are big transformers. I mean, it's not just, you know, 10 families complaining. The complaints on next door are manifest. So what are you going to do? There's only two solutions because we can't count on our government, our utilities, public utility commission. That's not going to solve the problem this year. That's not going to solve the problem next year. That's not even going to solve the problem in 2022. We got to do something now. So your only two solutions to keep the power on for your house or your business are buy a big generator or install a solar and battery backup system. I'm biased. I'm leaning towards a solar and battery backup system, but we've got a, a bunch of generators here in the office that we lend to customers, you know, while they're getting their systems installed. So here's the advantages of a solar and battery backup system. They're totally automatic. Power goes out. You may see your lights flicker a little bit. The critical things in your house, the refrigerator's not going to miss a beat. Your internet's going to be working. You're going to have lights around the house. You can make coffee in the morning. You can use the microwave. You know, your appliances are going to be working. If you need to plug in your car to charge it, you can even do that. These battery backup systems are clean. No gasoline fumes, no propane, no dangerous fuel that could explode. They've got 10-year guaranteed life. And virtually no maintenance. I'm saying virtually because the only maintenance that our customers have to do over 10 years, if the panels get really dirty and dusty. But you know what? If you just left them dirty, the backup system is still going to keep working. And also, there's currently, 2020, a tax credit. It's a 26% federal tax credit to install a battery backup system. That tax credit goes down to 22% next year and then zero after that. And finally, although these battery backup systems are, you know, even after tax credit, you know, you're looking at something that's going to be ten to $20,000, it's cheaper than a large natural gas generator. I mean, because those natural gas generators, you need a plumber, you need an electrician, they're complicated to install, they make a lot of noise, and they need regular maintenance. So you're going to sign a service and a maintenance contract. And it's not going to do a damn thing to help reduce your electric bill, which the solar and the battery systems do terrifically well. So the other big advantages of these battery backup systems is they really help the grid. Now, just imagine if a few people in that neighborhood example that I gave previously had solar and battery backup. Their batteries, even if there wasn't a blackout, their batteries could have been partially discharged to feed power needs in the neighborhood. Their solar's already doing that. But if they're controlled properly, all these batteries, a network of batteries, thousands and thousands of batteries in a neighborhood can be feeding power automatically to the neighbors. And it's, you know, in terms of deploying this kind of thing, these deployments can happen fast. There's no, like, you know, long-term contracting process that has to be done with the utility. We don't have to find an acre of land to build a bunch of these batteries. It's much easier, faster, and cheaper, definitely cheaper, to install a network of many small batteries in homes and businesses than to have the utilities install massive backup batteries. Who can trust them? All right. Now, these systems that we're talking about where there's lots and lots of batteries that are going to be contributing power, it's called a virtual power plant. In my view, these VPPs are the future of providing reliable local power. Businesses and homeowners will have their own reliable power. If the grid goes out, they got power. If the grid has a power shortage, 
these batteries can be discharged to feed the grid so that in this situation that we have right now where there's rolling blackouts with VPPs, we would not need rolling blackouts. When the transformers blow up, we probably wouldn't even need to add more capacity there because if homes had their own batteries and solar, that 50 kilowatt transformer wouldn't be overloaded because five of those houses would have a 10 kilowatt system. You got plenty of juice. And also these systems are clean, reliable, safe, and fast to deploy. So just to recap, there's three reasons for blackouts last week, this week, this season. Rolling blackouts, which we haven't seen in 20 years because it's really hot, and that's not going to change. Two, utility equipment failures. They don't proactively maintain the equipment. They wait for it to blow up before they fix it. And third, which we haven't hit yet in 2020, public safety power shutoffs. So the best solution is a battery backup system charged by solar. It'll keep your lights on. It'll keep your fridge cold, and it'll keep your family connected, especially during COVID-19. So if you're interested in a backup power system, talk to a local solar and battery contractor. This is something that Cinnamon Energy Systems has been doing for almost 20 years, but there's lots of others. Make sure your local contractor has good long-term reviews. It's important because these systems, you want to trust somebody that knows what they're doing. They're not trying to make a quick buck. They're going to be there to put it in properly and make sure it works and, if necessary, maintain it. And make sure, this is the most important thing, make sure that your contractor has current in-stock battery and equipment inventory. There's a tremendous demand, no surprise, for battery backup systems right now and through the end of the year. The batteries are in very short supply, and most manufacturers, I mean, I've talked to the two biggest, they're already sold out through January. So make sure you find a contractor that has a warehouse of batteries and can guarantee that delivery and installation this year. Okay. That's all the time we have on this week's Energy Show. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. And if you missed any of today's show, you can go to our website at cinnamon.energy and listen to the podcasts.